Last summer, I was invited to preach at a Methodist church. First time I'd ever preached at one. It was two services. The night before, I had a really bad night of sleep. I think I only got about three hours. So I showed up quite groggy, but I had my sermon ready all 35 minutes of it. That was when I realized when I got to the first service that their pastor normally only preached about 10 to 15 minutes each Sunday. And so (laughs) as drowsy as I was, I very sleepily got through my three points and then called it a day. Welcome to my seminary life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. After that service, it was a Sunday school and then I had to do it again. So I'm so tired by the end of this. And one of the men in the church wanted to take me out for lunch afterwards. And so... We went out to this nice place, and you know how after you're really tired for a long period of time and you've been doing things, you end up with like this really kind of sore, achy, but also very sleepy. You're very, you just like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're just going to fall asleep right where you're at. So we're at this nice place for lunch, and (laughs) <laughs> he's just talking a lot. He is. He's a, he was an, he was a nice guy, but he's just talking a lot. And I, I must've been sitting under the AC or something. It was summertime. I was freezing and falling asleep in my dish. Like it was, it was so bad. I was so uncomfortable. Welcome back. We're in the class, a series right now called communication in ministry, talking about preaching Next week, we're going to have an episode that is my sermon. It's going to be the sermon that I'm preaching for this class. And then afterwards, we're going to transition into talking about writing Bible study lessons and lesson plans. And then I think we close out the series with an episode of the Bible lesson I have to teach. So, But again, next week, it's going to be the actual sermon. So that will be good for everybody. This week, we're going to talk about how to use your words good when preaching. This book started singing the song that I like again. It started out this way and then moved into the very typical, this is how you preach a, this is how you write a sermon outline, which is normally very common in these books. Actually, Haddon Robinson put it best at the beginning of chapter 10. He said, typically when it comes to classes on preaching and books on preaching, that's where the conversation stops. It always stops at, and this is how you write your sermon outline. And ministers have been conditioned to spend hours upon hours every week cultivating, crafting their outline every week, hours upon hours, studying and writing to then, I'm trying to rock my son to sleep during the middle of all this, to then, nobody, you got to sleep right now. So they'll spend hours upon hours writing the sermon outline, but then spend hours a year actually working on their presentation skills. And that's what this section was all about, was working on your presentation skills. Which was, like I said, singing the song that I like a lot about this, I've talked about before. I think that the text should communicate for yourself, which influences our style, our tone, how we dress, how we conduct ourselves in the pulpit, the illustrations and the, you know, 
visual learning tools that we use along the way. I don't think, and I, even though we're being taught one very specific version of how to preach, I do think that a wise minister realizes that they have many arrows in their quiver, that you don't just have to preach a deductive three-point sermon, but that sometimes you can just have one point. Sometimes you can have some big elaborate illustration, sometimes like a visual aid type of thing. And that's what I really like about this book. This is what I appreciate about this book is that it is inviting us to think that way. I'm interested to see since the next book is called Creative Bible Teaching, if there are any creative elements inside of this book. But for the most part, it appears that this is going to be another here's how you write a outline book. But we'll see. Trying to be mildly hopeful. Maybe I shouldn't get my hopes up that much. But we need to be mindful of how we present ourselves and how we speak in the pulpit. Not just because we're communicating God's word to his people, but because those factors matter. I'm going to say that again. Those factors matter. We have been conditioned, both ministers and the people in the pews, that we can consume content all day long, be entertained by TikTok and binge all of the great British baking show and watch all the new Marvel stuff. We can be entertained 24-7 if we want to. But when it comes to the sermon on Sunday morning, make that as bland and boring as physically possible. That is that is what we have been. It's an exaggeration, but that's what we've been conditioned to do, to think. We're amusing ourselves to death, which means that the preacher on Sunday morning, he better not be that interesting. The more the more dry and plain looking he is, the better. Now, I'm not trying to champion for some preachers and sneakers movement of we all should be, you know, wearing these super modern, catchy looking outfits. Although, if that's the context you're in, Maybe you should spruce up your outfit a bit and not dress like a stick in the mud. Context really matters. Where you are at, that was a big part of this book, is that where you are at really matters how you dress and how you speak. Typically, as a traveling preacher, I default to, I'm going to wear a dress shirt and a tie, especially if it's a church that I'm not familiar with, one that I've never been to. I just default to, I'm going to dress a little nicer because you can never forget the number one rule of fashion for men. It's never wrong to be the best dressed guy in the room. I've learned that that rule is not true for women, but for guys, it's never wrong to be the best dressed person in the room. It's not. Be the best dressed guy in the room. But if you're trying to tabernacle with your people, if you're trying to meet your people where they are at, you need to dress like them. I think it's so fascinating that we've, you know, we've had, we have this mentality that, um, we've had this mentality for a really long time that like, bring your excellence before God. And that includes how you dress. So you have to wear the nice suit, the nice dresses, the nice blah, blah, blah. Like we have this mentality, but at the same time, it's like, but you know, how you appear in the pulpit, that doesn't matter. Well, make up your mind. Stop burning the candles. At, stop burning the candle at both ends, young man. You're going to get tired. 
it matters how you speak. One of my favorite sections of this of the three chapters I had to read this week dealt with using slang. Should you use slang in the pulpit? Because we've all heard that one youth pastor try to use slang in the pulpit and how poorly it went over. Or we've heard, you know, we've heard those pastors who are trying to sound hip, so they're going to make a, a cultural reference that they actually have no idea anything about it. We, we've all been there. My TikTok F4, for you page is often filled with those type of people. Oh, it's, it's so bad. It can be so bad sometimes. But we all know. So the question is, do, or should we use slang or should we just avoid it altogether? And the industry experts, people who do communication for a living, not just preaching, but people who study communication, their opinion is 50-50. <laughs> you have a 50-50 shot. If you actually know what you're saying and it makes sense in your context, then do it. Sometimes I purposely use it poorly when I'm teaching youth group as a joke because I'm 28 and apparently that makes me an old person to these teenagers which I guess is fair some of them you know I was in <laughs> my boys like they're at yeah I'm old <laughs> they make sure I know that they make sure that I know that I am old and so there are times where I'm an old person so I'm going to say yeet in a very wooden way that doesn't actually make sense in the sentence that I'm using it in or you know I'll whip out the floss which apparently is completely out now and you know I'll floss and they'll be like dude Brandon you gotta stop stop doing that Brandon and I just you know continue to embarrass them like a proper older person would kind of like being a fun uncle when you work in youth ministry or an annoying one. Anyway, if you know what the words mean, then you can use slang. And if it makes sense, again, this all keeps coming back to who is your context? Does it actually make sense to be using the King James Bible with the group of people that you have? If you have an older generation church that that's what they grew up on, and as long as everyone understands that that isn't God's given translation to the masses, then use the, new, new, use the King James. But if you've got youth, you know, if you're doing like youth ministry, I'm a bit, big advocate for using the New Living Translation. I tend to preach from the ESV because I like using a word-for-word -word translation, a wooden translation, and I think the ESV reads more naturally than the NASB. But that also goes for how you speak as well. Don't be archaic. And when you use theological terms, make sure you can explain them. That's another default. Always default to... And this is where... Okay, so this is a default. And sometimes it's good, but also it gets us in trouble. It's one of those catch-22s that we have to... I've talked about this. Default to the lowest common denominator. I don't necessarily like that. Because a lot of times when you default to the lowest common denominator, you're going to always do that. And then people start to stagnate. But if you throw around words like propitiation or even words like sanctification, there are there's a chance, especially, again, as a traveling preacher where I don't know everybody in the congregation, that 
the people there may not know what I'm talking about. So I need to explain those terms. And I, that goes back to last summer uh, during our C.S. Lewis series where he talked about how if you cannot take a theological concept or word and explain it at a level that makes sense to the people who you are talking to, then you really don't know what you're talking about. Which I was a guest on the whole church podcast recently. You can go find that episode. Uh, it's the most recent one on their feed. If you would like to hear more of the traveling preacher story stuff and the one of the hosts over there, Josh, he gave me quite the compliment. I appreciate this. Right. When you write reviews of the show, people listening to this right now, if you write a review of the show anywhere, Facebook on our Facebook page or telling people about the show, this is what you need to say. Okay. If you're going to do marketing for me, you have to say what Josh said, which is Brandon does a really good job of taking simple, uh, taking theology, lofty theology concepts and making it simple for people like me. Thank you. Because that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm not trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator. I'm trying to take these lofty things and make it accessible for everyone. It's the biggest compliment I could ever get. So thank you. And again, if you're listening to this and you haven't written a review on our Facebook page or anywhere, or you're trying to figure out how to explain this show to your friend that you think should listen to it, say all those words. Do that. Thank you. Anyway, back to the show random plug for whole church and myself here in the middle of it words matter our style matters and both by style i mean how we dress but also how we communicate in the pulpit don't be monotone god's word isn't some boring lecture it is living and active and if his word is living and active, I believe that would give us permission to be a little living and active when we are preaching. Now, that doesn't mean that you should be jumping around and pacing back and forth. I have a tendency to pace around a lot. It's something I've been working on recently of trying to not walk around as much, especially since now I'm going to start recording my sermons for the podcast. I have to stay a little bit more in place. But you cannot just default to this monotone, I can't even think of the guy's name, DeYoung, is that his last name? He's so boring. Some Again, maybe I've been indoctrinated by this whole, you know, we have to be entertained 24-7 thing. But I think ministers need to read books on public speaking. Ministers need to take classes on speaking to learn the different tricks and tools of the trade. When I first started teaching at the youth group, our youth pastor did, I, I don't want to say discipleship. It was a low-intensity mentorship environment teaching me how he teaches. He wanted to show me the way that he writes his lessons to help me write better lessons for youth. Cool. So he had me read, it was a book by Andy Stanley. And my ignorant boo self, totally, I, I posted a 
quote on Facebook that I like. This is several years ago, so it'll it'll be hard to go find it now. It's probably going to be in my Facebook history like tomorrow or something. But it was a quote from the book that I really liked. And my ignorant self didn't realize that Andy Stanley is apparently a very debatable person. Um, and there was two, two very angry, I want to say angry, two very uh, concerning comments that I kept getting. People were making sure that I understood that Stanley has a very poor hermeneutic when it comes to the Old Testament, which is true after doing research. And I would, and my comment back was, okay, but this book isn't about hermeneutics. This is about writing lesson. This is about outlining and his approach to preaching a text, not working with the text. So I get it. I, I get it. I get the concern. But the other one was because the quote I posted, again, I can't remember it verbatim, but it was a little bit more of this. We shouldn't shy away from using our words good and making this a living and active preaching environment and not just like saltine crackers. That has That joke has a double meaning to it. And someone reached out to me and was just like, Brandon, you just, you don't understand. You need to read this book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And it's just, this is not, and I'm fine with other perspectives. I am. And I'll read, I haven't read yet, Amusing Ourselves to Death, but I'm sure it's got some good information in it. I'm sure. It, it's one of those books that it seems like everybody is supposed to read it type of thing. But come on, people. You're going to tell me. I don't know. Maybe I just don't believe in the authoritative word of God enough. Maybe maybe I don't. Maybe I'm maybe I am the problem. Maybe I'm the one who's not like trusting that the word of God is going to do its work. Because, again, I do believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work, but we are the tools that he uses to get the work done. And I think we have given ourselves an out by saying, we just go up there and talk. Just go up there and talk. Now, the the Bible talks about how faithful men should be preaching and teaching and that not everyone should teach. And I'm not going to call anyone out specifically. But I really do think that there are many ministers, many famous ministers out there who need to realize that they're, they, they may know God's word very well, but I think part of being faithful, part of being a good teacher is actually kind of being interesting as well. So work on your preaching style. What, Whoever you are, work on your preaching style. If you do have a preacher that you really like, then observe them. What do you like about them? Don't try to be them. But if there's certain things that they do, mannerisms or how they emphasize certain things, how they speak in the pulpit, try working it into your repertoire. Seriously, I've done that many a times, many times. Our... Uh, 
the head pa- the head senior pastor of our multi-site campuses he does this thing that when it's time to emphasize a point that he really wants to hit home rather than shouting it at everybody he lowers his voice he leans onto the pulpit both elbows leaning forward and he kind of whispers it like this to everyone and i love that between you and me He's not my favorite preacher, but whenever he does that, that's, to me, brilliant. Brilliant move. And I've started using it. There's other things I can point to as well. I have my own style, but I think being a minister and using your words good to teach the living and active Word of God means that we need to be aware of how other people preach, aware of the context that we are in, experiment a little bit. Ooh, that's a scary word for some Christians. Let's experiment and play around with the with the system and the tradition a little bit. Ooh, now things are getting spicy. Play around a little bit. Experiment a little bit. Let the text communicate for itself. And it looks like our episode is drawing to an end here. So let's go ahead and start wrapping this up. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And thank you, Cooper, for falling asleep in my arms. It's so cute. If this is your first time around here, thanks for dropping in. This is the show where I talk about what I'm studying in seminary right now. On the march to graduation, spring 2023. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Good luck getting that one out of your head the rest of the day. If, if you haven't yet, and now I told you what to write down, please leave a review wherever, five stars, one star. Recommend the show to your friend, your pastor who needs to work on his preaching style a little bit. Or just, you know, you're concerned about your preacher and you want him to, you know, you know, spruce it up a little bit. Context, man. Context. And again, be like Josh. Write those words down somewhere. Drop down to the description of this episode to find links to the website, links to the shop. You can find the show on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. You can find me on TikTok at just.brandon.k if you would like to listen to me talk about. Usually I talk about like superhero stuff and other nerdy things over there. So feel free to check all that out. And if you ever want to reach out to the show and tell me how I'm a heretic, blasphemous, playing to one side too too much, or whatever complaint you may have, or if you actually want to say something nice about the show, or maybe you wrote a limerick about the show for some reason, then you can reach out to the show at email seminarylife at gmail.com. Email seminarylife at gmail.com. I believe... That is it. Again, next week, we have a sermon for you, a sermon for you all. It's going to be, I hope, encouraging. And again, I talked about the outline in the last week's episode, the nuts and bolts of preaching. So listen to that one so you can have an idea of at least the outline aspect of what you're getting yourself into next week. It's going to be very different from the other sermon that's up here on Job 25. If you haven't listened to that one yet, you should. So you can do a little compare and contrast between the two. And I believe that is it? Question mark. Yeah, 
I don't think there's anything else to talk about on the second. Like I said, on the second half of this class, we're going to be looking at how to write Bible study lessons, small group lessons, Sunday school lessons, 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 lessons. Cool. Thanks again for listening. And remember, keep on studying. Thank you.